Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 50 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. How are we doing today, Hector? I'm sorry, you've reached movie phone. If you'd like to select which movie you're going to watch, please hit one. <laughs> well, it's always good to know that Hector's here, but as some of you, and some of you are going to get a treat, we're actually also doing video this week. We have a guest. So wait, there's more. And we are joined today with our wonderful special guest, Afuru Richardson. So... Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. 50 episodes and Hector and I literally have spent the last couple of weeks going, we have managed to go 50 episodes and not have a FUA on our show, which makes us terrible human beings. No, no. I'm apologize. glad to come in on such a monumentous occasion. Congratulations, guys. Woo! We made it's, it. We're 50. It's not like you haven't been busy or anything, though. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna get that. Save that for okay. the podcast. But so, considering the year we've had any kind of accomplishment oh. or good news, I'll take it. Right. So it take true? that fifty years and throw some confetti. Be proud of yourselves. So oh. I actually had a bad confetti incident last week. Oh no! <laughs> uh, Don't throw confetti. Throw. Um, we're oh, doing no. like a, a thing party. for kids and their families, Small like party. a like a science VBS vibe. And like oh, okay. there was this big fun song and I had a giant bucket of confetti and I was like throwing confetti like when the kids were getting hype with their families. And <laughs> um, I threw the confetti and didn't have a good grip on the bucket. <gasps> and so I went like that and the bucket flew out of my hand. The confetti looked amazing. Um, but <laughs> like I almost like took a parent's nose off. <gasps> and I literally watched as uh, the bucket sailed through the air and almost hit like a four year old in the head. And then I'm like, it didn't. And so I just kept going, but I'm like, mm, get a grip. Okay, here we go. And and this is why we can't have nice things, Hector. No, no. Oh, and, and but you need the like oh. the arm straps like the Wii. That's it. So your so controller doesn't, doesn't go into a confetti strap. Um when when I patent that, I'm totally gonna give you full licensing rights and everything. I just I just want a small check gotcha. so I can build a sauna. So, <laughs> as you can tell, dear listener, we're going to have an amazing show today. So, strap <laughs> yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we have comic sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next on. I love doing that because it confuses half of our guests and then the other half that remembers MST3K and all of its glory goes, I get that reference. <laughs> and then the other people are like, I still don't get that reference. I'm like, that's fine. That's okay. You keep listening, keep clicking. I've done this with you for 50 episodes and I forgot it was MST3K. So. MST3K, yeah. Movie sign is what they say always. And that was the joke is they're like, what does it mean? Well, there you go. <laughs> Moving on. So... Today's episode, as we've said, is 50 episodes, and we've tried to bring all kinds of wonderful guests on the show, and well, it doesn't happen as quickly as we normally would like to, because Hector and I have, as you well know, because it's how you met us, we just run into tons of awesome folks on the con circuit, and of course, we ran into all of our awesome friends in the con circuit in the North Carolina area, um, so that always holds a place in our heart. But because we talk about comics and the industry at large, we try to regale our guests with information on what's going on. So half of the time we talk about exciting things like Diamond Distribution and DC Comics uh, creating their own thing. And then flash for everyone that hasn't read their news this week, Marvel goes and does the same thing. But, you know, we'll save that one for next week because that's boring yet interesting. Nerds, I guess, Wait, just I like talking... Yeah, Marvel's going Marvel's with launched um, their own distribution thing too. Wow. Through yeah, through Penguin Random House that they're oh. gonna Diamond probably is not having a great Friday. <laughs> I was gonna say. Because wow. um, I'm sure they had knew, two breakups. But, right. They're 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 going through a lot right now, as they I say. Bet. Oh my. But like ten year ago Taylor Swift at this point. So it's just sad songs and emo. <laughs> they're they're listening to a bunch of emo 90s music right now and just kind of upset about it but Afua you've been doing long here. <laughs> <laughs> you've been doing a lot and we know that you are multi-talented to say the very very least um but 
how about you give us kind of the short rundown of who is Afua? Oh my, a mess. No. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We get real up on this show. (laughs) Let's see. Um, For the past 15 years, I have been a creator, an illustrator, penciler, inker, and colorist of comic books for Marvel, DC, Image, Kodansha, Random House. And um, I've had the pleasure of working on uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda mm-hmm. with Tanisi Coates and Roxanne Gay. And uh, as well as Totally Awesome Hulk, X-Men 92. Uh, goodness. Um, totally Awesome Hulk. And most recently, uh, HBO's Lovecraft Country. I'm sure uh, no one, none of our folks have heard of that. None. <laughs> as, as Hector's over there, like, I have so many questions. Um, and in a prior life, I was <laughs> a, it, it seems like another person forever ago, but uh, I was a singer, songwriter, voice actor, musician, um, I went on tour and opened for some really phenomenal people. Um, I think my last gig was ju- just at the time where I started taking comics seriously, which I think was, uh, I was a background singer for like Harmar Superstar and Jimmy Fallon for the talking about uh, <laughs> okay. mystery science theater. Uh, yes. Harmar appears there quite a bit. Um, but uh yeah, yeah, I've, 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 I have employed my uh, my hobbies to the fullest, <laughs> and um, most recently, I just kickstarted a book. Uh, going back to Image, which was kind of where I started, uh, a book that I'm writing and illustrating and making an album for, trying to bring all of those things together. Um, yes, in a book called uh, Aquarius, the Book of Myrrh. And uh, I just spoke with Image about it, and I have to make an update to my backers. But I'm actually going to push the book back uh, to correspond with Free Comic Book Day. Oh, nice! Uh, so since you know Free Comic Book Day was, it's usually in May, and I didn't know yes. that it was moved to August. So I'm actually going to move my book to August. Some of my co-collaborators are are really struggling uh, and going through quite a bit right now. Their families are sick, and mm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to take on the jobs and do it myself, but. So that there's, you know, everybody has time to heal. Everybody has time to just diffuse from last year and take care of their families. Um, we're, we're going to, it was a very tough decision. I don't like um, changing things around, but August, it'll be August 11th is when Aquarius, the Book of Mer will come out. So yes. um, by then I'll probably finish issue two and <laughs> be ahead of the curve and make more songs and more music and give those who helped on Kickstarter uh, more things just here just take all the free things so sorry just take yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure full disclosure Hector and I backed the crap out of that so thank you I don't yeah. know on the full crap I was on a budget but I did <laughs> hey everybody's on a budget <laughs> it was 2020 I, no I, I, I should have been on a budget and then I didn't <laughs> and then when I told my wife what I did she's like okay you're forgiven no, but that's because ever since seeing, I believe at least the image that you have behind you, because that was Dragon Con's badge. It was three years ago, two years ago. Because of the 2020 year, I now lose track of things before 2020. <laughs> it's like in like, the before times, right? When um, we hugged one another, right? <laughs> um, that I know that now we when got... people do hug you, you don't know how to feel. It's just like right. You're like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. I don't. I, I, I keep my immune system very strong. So we're, we're all. I know we're all excited for for Book of Myrrh because I know that's something that, from what I've gathered from speaking to you in the past, that that's kind of been in your head for a while. So it definitely has. Maybe tell us a little more about the Book of Myrrh and kind of where that came from. Well, I um, the Book of Myrrh in and of itself is a modern retelling of mermaid myths and legends from all over the world. So it'll be an ongoing series. It'll be a quarterly series since I'm doing so much for it. Um, There'll be an audio book and then music and uh, it'll be a double issue, 44 pages. And um, what I've decided to do was take 
these different myths and legends from all over, starting with American mythos and um, indigenous American mythos and tie it in with real stories or not to say that they're, they're not real stories. They're real right. absolutely for the people and mm-hmm. their traditions and so on, but um, mm-hmm. things that have happened either in my life or in people's lives who I've known uh, and giving the reason for the things that have happened to them um, a basis in mermaid stories. So there's so many different stories that you never really hear of outside of the little mermaid or sirens luring sailors right. to their watery graves. Um, but uh, it, it basically started with a question um, or a couple of questions. One, where did the concept of mermaids even come from? And there, there are tons of mythical creatures out there, but these are very unusual because you don't see unicorns uh, you know, stamped into the side of Gothic cathedrals and churches and um, yeah. ancient reliefs and ancient like Asian epitaphs and and just you, you just don't <laughs> you don't see them, but you do see mermaids and dragons and therianthropes and these half human half watery creature beings all over the place and a lot of them have the same kinds of stories and the same kinds of relationships between uh the antagonist and the protagonist or what have you and so i i just started on a a rabbit hole first you know why do the japanese collect koi where do these why is it important to them and are there only european uh, mermaid stories. And that's okay if it is. Like a chupacabra is, you know, very Latino. Like you're not really going to see a chupacabra in a German story. That's okay. <laughs> they might have another name for it. But seems legit. Yeah. If, if mermaids are something that are, you know, just European, that's fine. Why? And so once I started digging, I realized that that wasn't the case. And there are tons hmm. of uh, Native American stories and some that I'd never even heard of. Like, um, like the origin of tobacco and marijuana being a sacred herb to the Blackfoot and how it was given to them by the beaver people. And I was just like, oh, this is new. Go on. (laughs) Right. Reading's fun. You learn things. (laughs) Exactly. Or even something as late as 2014, a, uh, a dam in, uh, Zimbabwe was being built and the workers stopped working on the dam. They, they stopped receiving a paycheck. They said, no, we will not work because there is an injuzu down in the dig site and they're not going. So of course the contractors were just like, um, okay, we will hire other people and we will interview them <laughs> and first find out if they believe in injuzu. <laughs> And then resume work on this dam. And uh, after a day on the site, they come back and they're just like, look, I don't know what Njuzu is, but I believe in it now. So I'm not going back to work. And then they hire people who are white, who are, who, who never even, they're just like, they're like, do you believe in mermaids? They're like, what? No. <laughs> what I believe in money. About? What's next? <laughs> exactly. They go down to the site and they're just like, look, I don't know what kind of wild animal is down there, but we're not going. So they had to call in the minister of water and come up with a magical solution. So I'm taking these stories that are kind of unusual and unexplainable. Pompoco. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And tying them together with historical events, digging in, go, digging from, you know, civil war to goodness, feudal Japan. It's, it's kind of going all over the place, but I'm, I'm having a really fun time digging up these stories and interviewing people who live in the places that I'm writing about and um, having permission to tie their lives into these crazy myths and legends. Man, that's and then really I'm making music neat. for it. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> and we're making music for it. So I, that piqued my interest. I was like, what what led you other than having that part of who you are um, 
wanting to bring that expression forward made you what what's driving the musical influence of the project well um when i was younger uh, a lot of the books and stories that i had had other media with it mm. so i had um back in the 80s <laughs> uh <laughs> i had we, we uh, remember the, the back when <laughs> yeah back when i was a young whippersnapper no but when i was um when i was younger i had um lots of books that had either songs or they had accompanying audio and video or television shows which read the book to you and and i, I love those things i i started reading really really young um maybe two or three was when I started reading and it was at, it was because of the media that I had that helped me uh, visualize words and things like that. It was always just a part of my life, you know, singing and making music. And um, I was a musician at nine and, and I felt like in doing comics full time, I let that part of myself uh, atrophy a bit and a big part of uh, sirens and uh mermaid lore is the accompanying music like they sing and, and it, it's an entrancing thing it's a part of their allure and and the spell and it doesn't always have to be nefarious so i wanted mm. to um make music to tell another part of the story that couldn't be read or seen uh, but neat. i wanted the story to be felt in, in another way so in the beginning, um, my protagonist, Astara, she has a, a dream about being a mermaid. And it's a really weird dream. Like when I was a kid, I'd had really, really crazy dreams. I still have crazy dreams. I had a crazy dream last night that um, I, I, I was in a government building and I walk into this experiment. Uh, this is a young kid who every couple of feet he walks and he gets older but oh, he still has the mind of a child and um he suddenly realizes that he's a part of something terrible and he he starts harming all of the people on the floor it was like a dozen people oh, no. who were killed and i was just like no more fizzy water before bed okay some of my dreams um which was very strange, and I would draw them and, and write them down. And so uh, one dream that I had was about my great-grandfather, but my great-grandfather passed away when I was one. So I'm not really wow. sure how I remembered his face, but the dream that I had actually saved my life in real life. And I'll, I'll tell you how in the story. But um, mm. music is something that I feel like I express my emotions a lot better through music than any other medium or craft or hobby or, or talent or skill that I have. And uh, I just want to bring that part of me to my first creator owned in 15 years. Yes. <laughs> so for the past, you know, 15 years, I've been making other people's dreams right made manifest so now i'm literally making my dreams come true um hopefully not all my dreams that'd, that'd be terrible <laughs> right pick and choose some of those yeah selective yeah, dreams <laughs> now do you have any plans to uh because i've heard a couple of the things just musically you shared with me a little mm -hmm. while ago do you have any plans on releasing the music aside from the book like is it going to be something that people can stumble across on like spotify and stuff or yes absolutely um i will be releasing it on spotify and itunes if i can um definitely spotify and uh, i've been reaching out to a couple of folks from lovecraft country to see if they can help me make some cool mermaidy prosthetics and maybe make a video we'll see that takes a lot of money and planning um but it is something that i'm I'm working on. I've also got something else in the works. I don't, I can't talk about that right now, but it would be really, really cool if it happened. So um, a, yet another form of media that the story will take on. So when, when that does happen, uh, I'll let you guys know. Awesome. 
Well, we're just going to try to ask ask you after we turn the recording off because yes. reasons. I can be patient. <laughs> yeah, we can be patient. Everyone else, you're going to have to wait till the Afua Part 2 interview, which yes. will happen at some point. Absolutely. We friends. But we you know we friends. And it's true. With uh, <laughs> what you had mentioned, too, about the creator-owned versus you know other people's dreams, um, is yeah. have you found... Like, I know you're just kind of like diving in for, to, you know, what you're doing with this project, but uh, has, have, is there more joy or delight or fulfillment in working on your own projects versus just seeing your stuff out in the wild or like, where's the balance there? It is a different experience. One, I'm a terrible taskmaster. And if I'm awake, I'm working. So... <laughs> I don't stop working on this. I have to like schedule active rest, like play a video game, eat food while playing a video game. Cause my mind is always working on this, but it's, um, it's both very joyful and agonizing because you want it to be perfect, but you have to kind of move on to the next thing. Um, But I don't know. I felt like, after so much time working on a lot of these stories, I felt like I couldn't put my heart into it like I would something that's mine because it's not my job to create necessarily. It's my job to execute. So mm. they have a concept or they have an idea and it's my job to meet them somewhere in the middle. So they kind of, my clients kind of know what they want. They, they have an idea, they see what it is that I do and they want me to do that for them. But I have to play within the rules of what it is that they want. So my self-expression is really only limited to what it is, uh, what tools I have available. So a particular costume, a pose, an expression, a body type is all, that's, that's all them and taken care of. And, and in a way that kind of gives me uh, a bit of freedom to be able to say, okay, well, the design work is taken care of. That's fine. How can I take a character that everybody knows and has seen and uh, already has an idea in their mind of what they look like and bring a new set of emotions and a new set of feelings to this character with what it is that I do? That part of my brain, which goes to work on practical costumes and uh, colors and things like that, that would be uh, what would be in the closet of my character, so to speak. Like, you don't necessarily have to go shopping for Batman. Like, right. Bruce Wayne has a set of clothes. You know what the guy's wearing. There's there's not really anything that you have Why to Why is everything in shades of black? Right? <laughs> I see my wardrobe and I want it painted black. Yeah, everything is just... Nailed it. It's just black. You might have a spot of white, just a little bit. Right. You know. It's like, what's that for? He's like, that's for Labor Day. What? <laughs> How awkward. Really? Bruce. I'm having a happy day. Like, there's no Hawaiian shirts in Bruce Wayne's closet. It's not happening. Um, but with this, it's fun. I kind of get to go shopping for my character. I get to say, okay, well, I... I've been collecting these things for years and actually collecting clothing to see like, okay, will this work? Would someone be able to do what it is that this person does and be able to move around in this kind of weird harness contraption thing? No. So how can I (laughs) take this apart and reassemble it and make it practical for what it is that they do, but also says like, okay, when I look at this and I see their silhouette, I know exactly who they are, even if I have no details. So creating those things and sort of digging up that part of my mind uh, has been great. It's been really enlivening. And I think, you know, if, or when I go back to freelance, if I do, Mm. um, Mm. it will maybe change how I, how I feel about it uh, a great deal. Like, I don't get to design any fun costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, But that's really, it's really interesting to me that the amount of research it sounds like you put in is a lot. And I know that every creative kind (laughs) of has a different approach to how they do things. And I know that a lot of folks do 
do research, but I'm sitting here going, it's like your closet must be really insane right now because you're oh, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm testing stuff out. And I mean, Hector and I also know that you have a, a slight affinity towards cosplay as well, which means that it's like, where's the, where's the Venn diagram overlap of these two things? Or do you just have like five closets and that's the cosplay closet. That's the active project one. That's the one I think I actually go through to decide what I'm going to go um, out today and your Labor Day shirt. Yeah, your Labor Day shirt. See? <laughs> I've actually been also gathering uh, different pieces and thrift shop hunting uh, for costumes to wear so that when the book comes out and there's a reasonable amount of social interaction again, uh, right. I'll perform the songs live dressed in mermaidy attire, you know, with my with my musicians. So I'm producing this album with um, a really fantastic team of folks. Um, Mike Smith is on guitar and he's the person who we've been sending tracks back and forth. And Paul Ritchie, who's a a really fantastic musician and songwriter and in in a couple of different bands. And um, he's producing. And I'm working with a bass player named uh, John Ferrara, who is just mind-blowingly good like if you've ever seen videos of flea from the red hot chili peppers like it's it's kind of like watching him okay he's just oh wow Tons he's, of energy. So, he's yeah. so good it's like my, my heart hurts <laughs> like <laughs> i'm just gonna put my bass down now because i'm like i get embarrassed to play when he's around but thankfully he's also my my bass teacher so yay um the first song uh, is based on a song that he actually wrote. It was just this instrumental song called Pluto is a Planet. And uh, I added lyrics and a cello arrangement for it. And we renamed it Pluto's Dream uh, to you know, sort of correspond with the dream that the main character is having. And so uh, when the book comes out, you know, we, we will perform said song and I will find all the mermaidy things do <laughs> with it that I can, you know, at least move around. And I, I don't think I can move around in a mermaid tail. I like sneakers. I just. But why? We we have a friend that is. Uh, well, I do. I don't know if he's she's in your bubble, Chris. But uh, there's a friend in the Myrtle Beach region that does primarily uh, mermaid cosplay. Um, cool. And uh, she does it as a fundraiser awareness thing for a. Uh, dolphins and some other ocean themed things that's super cool but uh she uh but in any con she does one day she's always in mermaid and so she's built a custom wheelchair uh (gasps) that looks like you know the kind of little mermaid rock type situation yeah so that she can actually like roll up with her tail out and like greet people and stuff like that um amazing but that's it's it's a unique uh, vibe to have and but uh, your photo shoot you did just kind of uh prepping for all this that was amazing so thank you i i harassed my friends they were kind enough to play dress up with me and i went through my closet <laughs> and put all of these different things together uh for some of the characters in stories like later down the line like um i'm getting into uh the saba wailnu which is a uh, halfway person in Mi'kmaq, a northeastern Canadian Native American okay. uh, mythos. Mm. And um, I'm also getting into the Caribbean La Sirene and La Balen, the siren and the whale. Uh, it's part of an old um, children's song uh, about a, a man who um, encounters a siren, like catches her and... Um, she she just she asks you know like will you will you let me go you know like if uh if you take me back to shore you'll probably have a large fortune but um my augmentation to the story is you know she shows him the possibilities of all of what will happen to him if he takes her back to shore like he'll you know encounter somebody They'll hit him over the head, take her, and then, you know, he'll have nothing or he'll manage to go uh, another way knowing that that's going to happen. And then um, 
open up this side attraction, make a lot of money, get robbed, and <laughs> all these kind of terrible things that will happen where he'll get wealthy, but then he'll lose it. Uh, or she can give him this little pearl. And he's like, well, what'll happen if I take the pearl? You'll have to find out. And so that, that story kind of explores uh, uh, those, those sorts of possibilities. But there's a little song in uh, Haitian Creole that's like, La sirene, la baleine, which means like my hat falls into the sea, which um, means I've fallen under the spell of the mermaid. So my main character is reading this storybook and she's got her little headphones on and she's being told this story of the mermaid and the whale. What up, nerd? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We hope you're enjoying it. But hey, did you know that Love Thy Nerd airs almost all of its podcasts first on LTN Radio? That's right. LTN Radio is your home for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie music. And it's also the place to go to hear Love Thy Nerd's content before it reaches the podcast feed. In addition to that, Love Thy Nerd creates a lot of content that's exclusive to LTN Radio that you're missing out on. So go check out LTNOnAir.com and listen for yourself. You can also download the Live 365 app on your smartphone and search in favorite LTN Radio or enable the LTN Radio skill on your Echo devices and simply ask Alexa to play Love Thy Nerd. Now let's get you back to that podcast. And that might be the place where we, we need to transition a little bit into okay. your your most recent um, television work yes. um, that I'm also behind on. So I'm going to let Hector completely <laughs> what just... Yeah, well, Dude, I, I, okay. <laughs> I have to trade some of my TV watching time because my wonderful wife does have a gore limit. Um, so there are certain Fair. shows, right? Fair. There are some shows that I have to rack and stack and be like, I'm going to knock these out this weekend, either because she's got something going on. I love my wife dearly. This is not me condemning her. No, but no. Um, you're, you're, you're partaking in like spending time with her and some of the shows she wants to watch and you know, we can't. And then there's other shows we look at and she's like, right. She's like, I really, really want to enjoy this, but yeah. <laughs> um, my wife works responsible. in the medical field. So, so she's like, her. Yes. right. <laughs> this is good. This is fine. She can't, she can't deal with Slim, but she, but she can look at an open body with, you know, no problem. Um, yeah. Well, medical field folks, uh, special, special brand of people. Props to you guys. <laughs> Truth. So, so yeah, go for it. Let, let's talk Lovecraft Country. Let's talk Lovecraft Country. Um, were yes. you aware of the book uh, before your approach with the project, or like? I, I wasn't actually. I, I started reading it um, when I was asked to participate. I, um, of course, I've heard of H.P. Lovecraft um, and um, a lot of his creatures and and stories and even his strange life as a um he wasn't very successful <laughs> as a writer he'd always it's been sponsored background. and he really he really is he just kind of had a string of failures and he was either sponsored by his mother or his current lover and and then as many people are his works weren't appreciated until after he died and then, you know, th there was also the back and forth for that uh, periodical that he was uh, writing for where he uh, was using, he was insulting another writer's characters saying that his, uh, his main protagonist was feeble-minded like a colored people <laughs> and so he was branded with the the racist thing which you know fair fair <laughs> that's, that's fair <laughs> you know um yeah it's like, wrote that man, down you want to talk about feeble-minded and you can't even pay your rent <laughs> but uh yeah yeah and so I, I started to read the story but everything moved so quickly uh, i think i started work on the project a year beforehand in May or June. And it was just 
full speed ahead after that. Um, it was my first time working on a movie set and it was filmed, a large portion of it was filmed here in Georgia where I live. And I was 15 minutes, uh, about a 15 minute drive from the set. That's pretty sweet. Huge set. I'd, I'd never really seen a movie set like that up close. I've been on a lot of video sets and a lot of uh, television sets or like um, daytime television kind of thing. But this was insane. I've never seen anything like this before. And I don't think a lot of the people who worked there <laughs> have either. Uh, I worked under props master JP Jones, who's very prolific. He made a lot of the props on the show. So the orrery, um, a lot of the weapons, the armor, a props master is basically someone who makes everything that the actors touch that isn't mm -hmm. wardrobe which is a lot. So he was responsible oh, yeah. for a lot. He was putting out a lot of fires. At one point, there was a car stunt where, uh, you know, Hector, you've seen this show where the car flips over, like kind of out of nowhere. People actually got hurt <laughs> during uh, that. Set. So he had to literally run. I, I remember him running and putting these things out. But I worked with him to create a comic book. So in the story, sorry for the mini spoilers, he, he can um, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and and we usually warn most of our people. It's like you've had your chance. Yeah. <laughs> there is a um, one of the primary differences from the the novel by um, by Mr. Ruff um, and uh, the film is that Horace, who is the son of. Um, Hippolyta and um, George is replaced with a girl. So Diana, uh, they have a daughter instead of a son. And she is a, like her parents, a avid sci-fi reader and makes her own hand-drawn comics. Now they didn't want it to look like a kid drew it. They wanted a very talented teenager. And I was like, I will be a very talented teenager. Thank you. <laughs> so um, a lot of my, a lot of my work is done digitally um, because my traditional style is very sketchy. And I started off actually working primarily in watercolors and somebody very misinformed told me along the line, like, you can't make comic books with watercolor. And I was like, but Oh, Oops. okay. So I started uh, learning Photoshop and Illustrator to try and remedy some of my sketchy uh, choices. But they um, they saw some of my commissions on Instagram and they were like, we want that for her. And you just wanted to be really cool. And so I, I got to make these hand-drawn comics with crayon and color pencil and uh, on notebook paper, which was very tough. Uh, and, <laughs> but it had to be, you know, like a handmade home, homemade. And it, it felt like, uh, I was a little kid all over again, making my own comics. And, uh, basically what she does is she sees what her parents do and she translates it into a story. So her father, George, um, makes a book called uh, the green book or this safe negro travel guide which in mm -hmm. the 1950s there was a postman who lived in new york city in real life who um saw the need for uh emerging black middle class and motorist to find places in the jim crow segregated south that they could go that were safe and also wanted to serve brown folks Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's a very needed service, you know, because if you're, if you go somewhere that you're not wanted, uh, that could mean life or death. Right. And, right. you know, needless friction, you know, this, this helps avoid that. So George would go on these trips that were very dangerous. And sometimes he would come back, you know, as he mentioned, you know, with a broken femur or a bullet wound or these different things from the people who, um, Things changed from the last time he visited that diner, you know, so he puts out this, this book and says, okay, these are the places, these are the updated places that you can go. You can find lodging, dinner, you know, what have you, or you can shop here and it's fine. Um, her mother, on the other hand, uh, is a, a burgeoning astronomer and uh, is really, you know, into the stars. And so, 
as a comic book, she makes Arithia Blue, which is about a uh, space traveler, her mother as a you know, space adventurer, and her father as Panther Man, this guy who goes down into the jungle and gets information back to you know, protect his his people and family. So it was really cool to not only work on that, but also work with Jada Harris, the actress who plays Diana, and show her how to draw. She's such a quick study. She had to learn so much for this role. She had to learn how to ride a bike and draw and just, just do all these different things, but she picked it up really, really quickly, and it was fun. She's so sweet, her and her mom. Um, we spent a few hours just working on drawing, and we were so proud. Of, you know, like I, I showed some of the drawings to uh, a JP, who I worked with directly, and he's like, he's like, this is her drawing? <gasps> we're so <laughs> proud. We were just so excited for her. And so when she, um, when Diana during the series encounters uh, different creatures and different Lovecraftian, you know, monsters, and she can't speak about what's happening, she has to draw what's going on. So it needed to look natural um, mm. for her to go over my lines. And so I just kind of, I would do half drawings and she would complete them on camera. That's neat. And then also I got this really amazing shout out in... <laughs> The finale, which so, <sighs> Hector needs to tell his story of well, of that experience because well, I've, I've told Afua and but like that's the thing is like <laughs> right like the the entire once I started seeing your art on screen like through the thing I'm like that's I was like but even before <laughs> I knew that you were in it or involved I'm just like sitting there with my wife and we're like that's a foo art and it's like because that's the thing like but i didn't even know your name and was involved until i was knee deep in it and because i mean if for those of you who aren't familiar her art has a very unique flavor and you can tell you i mean they're just certain maybe it's just because i've been around it long enough but you can see out of a lineup that's her and so i started seeing your art present (laughs) and uh but then like literally i was sitting here with my wife um my kids, when I told them about where you're doing this, she's like, was oh, that the lady you yelled about? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, so like, as we were getting in the finale, um, you know, and I saw the comic coming on screen or being handed over. And I'm like, I just looked over, I paused the video and I looked at my wife. I was like, man, I'm so happy that Fu is getting like this national blah, blah, blah. Oh. And like, and like literally we had a, my wife and I had a heart to heart moment of like, man good for her man i'm so proud of her and like all this and so like we did all that and then like you know i paused did my like golf clap and just excited about it and then then, um literally as soon as we hit pause and like went or hit play and went back into it and she said an artist named afua taught me i literally like threw a pillow and i screamed (laughs) screamed, like literally my kids came, all three of my kids came bounding down the hall. Are you okay? Are you hurt? And like, like, because they literally thought like something tragic had happened because I screamed so loudly. And, um, you know, it's that Leonardo Aww. DiCaprio meme of like, you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I was like so happy for you in that. Um, I was happy oh, that you were doing you. the project, like, period, you know, good work, art, awesome, yeah, for JP, sure. all that's great. Um, <laughs> but the fact that, you know, in creating the story, which, you know, the book is wonderful, but also the fact that I think, especially for our climate and culture right now, um, that it was extremely relevant and important dialogue, you know, of things that were being brought up throughout the series. Cause I met a lot of America didn't know that the, you know, you know, some of the stuff, the fact that we're still, people were still learning about Emmett Till. Um, right. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, and I, in full disclosure, I didn't know about the travel guide. Like, yeah, that, and that's okay. There's so many things that we don't necessarily know about. And, you, know? you know, outside of, you know, an amazing horror depiction and a cool story, sure. there's a lot of, there's a lot of important voice to it. And the fact that your name didn't just get in a credit, like out of all the artists that worked on this thing in different areas that they called you out by name. Now, did you know that was happening before? Like, you know, I remember because I was also working with the executive, um, the executive producer, Misha Green, and she um, 
you know, we were all just kind of going back and forth on these things. And that comic that Hippolyta hands to Diana was supposed to be a full comic, um, but we got mm-hmm. some wires crossed and we got the dates uh, confused. So I didn't get to finish it, but within it, um, I was supposed to draw all of her experiences, like all the places that she traveled, all the places that she went. And then I wrote, uh, they, they wanted me to write in a scenario where she gets in an elevator and then the door opens and there's my studio in this like uh, ghost in the shell looking loft. Right. And I spin around in a chair and hand her a Wacom pen. Like, are you ready to write your own you know, history? And like, I was supposed to write myself into the story. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to do that. And so since we didn't get to do that, which I thought was cool in the first place, like, oh my God, that's so strange. But wait, I have to do this by tomorrow? (laughs) I thought you said a month from now. They're like, no. I'm like, oh. (laughs) So I ended up creating that cover in like three hours and then had to change the robot arm to a regular arm. I'm like, I've been up for 40 eight hours already this is fine <laughs> That's how I was feeling. as soon as i finished it i just like fell asleep just at the desk <laughs> um but um yeah and, and so when uh, jp came back into the office and he was like hey so we decided on something really cool and i was like what what is what is happening what <laughs> more 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 draw not right now <laughs> He's like, okay, so we're going to write you as an off-screen character. And I was like, huh? What is? <laughs> well, at the point, because I didn't know the story. So mm. I didn't know what was happening. So I only knew the story through the context of D's comic, which was fun because it was still a surprise for me. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're going to teach Hippolyta how to draw. And I was like, like i didn't understand what he was saying like it didn't quite yes sink in and he says yeah we're gonna we're gonna it's just it's gonna be so cool and i'm like oh and i had to i could tell he was really excited about it so i i kind of like not that i pretended to be excited but i didn't understand so i was like oh my gosh that's so cool what (laughs) like i didn't get it i didn't get it at all so a year later when they send me the clip um, because I, I didn't get to do the interior pages, I did them in post and they like used a, the CG team to like graft the right. the pages in that she opens up um, in the comic, which is amazing. I was like, you can do that. Well, I guess if you could do like crazy Lovecraftian monsters, you can just superimpose some comic pages. Um, but then when I saw it and I, I heard it, I was I, I just started crying. I, I really did. I, I just I ugly cried. It was like. <sighs> I just started crying because, you know, my growing up, um, I grew up in New York and my dad um, is from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And there weren't a lot of opportunities for him. uh, He's a he's a physicist and a teacher and a soldier uh, and an officer, excuse me, in the military. Uh, (laughs) There is a distinction. Not, (laughs) Not make that mistake. He is an officer. Retired. Um, and I just remember him telling me, you know, do art seriously, but don't seriously do art. There's no place for us in art is what he would say. And it's not Mm. because he didn't believe in my abilities. It's because he didn't believe in the path. He didn't believe that I could be successful in a place that wouldn't necessarily see my worth because they saw my face first. Mm. And, um, times have have changed <laughs> you know everything it's not perfect you know but things are changing and we, we do have to acknowledge that because it was a to say that it's exactly like it was then it is actually uh, dishonoring what it is that someone like him had to go through mm-hmm. or someone like gloria richardson who uh fought to have schools desegregated or hospitals and all these other things because it went against the constitution because her, I, th- I believe it was either her brother or her uncle, you know, went into a hospital and they wouldn't, they wouldn't serve him and he died. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, my, my dad getting denied scholarships and they were given to people, he said, who didn't even want them. Meanwhile, he made a sculpture that was sitting right in the entrance of the school. He did oil paintings that are still up in his university. I mean, hmm. he's a brilliant man and, and, you know, helped develop MRIs and string theory, you know, but he was a sculptor and an oil painter and did all these things, but didn't think and knew from his experiences that there was no place for him to pursue that any further. And he didn't want me to be disappointed. So yeah. to now be able to, uh, to do this for a living, you know, and say, dad, <laughs> dad, we made a place for ourselves. <laughs> it's, it really, oh man, <laughs> it just, it really means a lot to me. And um, it's hard work. You know, art is very hard. You have to take a lot from yourself. <laughs> and put it on the page, but I'm glad to be able to do it and, uh, and share this with him. Yeah. And um, I don't I know why I'm crying, but I don't know why I'm crying. Um, <laughs> but um, to, after, after seeing that, I think that's when I made the decision like, yeah, you know what? I know things are crazy right now. You know, but if a company like this to make a production like this believes in me, then I need to believe in me too. So that's why I decided yeah. to do my Kickstarter in the middle of 2020, which was crazy. This, <laughs> you know, this, but, this uh, is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, now, now is a good time um, because... Um, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. You know, there's so many really skilled people and, and even people I, I knew, like I was running into my friends who'd been working in the industry for so long. And um, even uh, storyboard artist, Eric uh, Yamamoto, like he works on all of, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, what is the producer of this series? Uh, he did Us and- Thank you, Jordan Peele. Uh, he storyboards all of uh, Jordan Peele's films and, and movies and series, and he didn't get a shout out. And so, and, and not to say that he didn't deserve it or anything like that, but the right. fact that they chose me for it, um, I don't take that lightly. And uh, it, was, it was a huge honor. And considering like the costume designers and the sets, like all of those rooms, even the bar that was made. These things were made like it wasn't just like oh yeah this is a great place that we're going to film this thing no these sets were built the the um the observatory that yeah, i saw a photo with you at the with the observatory stuff that was dope built like that was built <laughs> like these stone bricks all these things these things were built and all of the hands even the underground tunnels when they were trying to get to um that locked chamber, that was a, a labyrinth that was built and filled with water so that as they went further along, more and more, it looked like the water was rising higher. All of these things were built, all of those hands that went into making this thing. And they chose, and they chose me to, to uh, say thank you. So I, I, I don't take that lightly. And um, it, really, uh, it really meant a lot to me. Um, so this project that I'm working on also means a great deal. And um, I think it's the first time that I'm really going to be able to say who I am through it. And some things are pretty and some things are ugly, but <laughs> that's life, <laughs> you know, but uh, um, I'm just really excited about it. So when this project drops in its fullness, as like when in all its many facets, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, what will what would it take for you to consider it successful? Oh, um, gosh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I mean, because some people nope. just think creating it success. Some people think I need it to have this type of response. Like when when you when you sit back, it's in the world. It's birthed like at what point do you feel like this has succeeded? Um, well, you know, it's, it's always my uh, objective to make someone 
feel what I hope they feel from it. But when people, I think if people start extracting new meaning from it, uh, that's when I'll be like, ha, huh, all right. <laughs> you know, like when it starts taking on a life of its own and uh, people are extracting symbols that I didn't see, um, that I didn't even intend uh, from it. I just, I hope I can build a world that is thought and emotionally invoking that uh, people can see themselves in a bunch of different characters. Uh, at first, it's going to be a little weird because <laughs> you know, whenever you're getting into a dream sequence, it's always weird. It's like, what? <laughs> but then as you start to, as the episodes and, and uh, issues go on, uh, and you start to get to know the characters and their personality and their objectives and dreams and wants and some of the challenges and the things that they have to change about themselves in order to be who they need to be to move not only the story forward, but them as individuals forward, that it'll resonate uh, with other people. And um, I know when it comes to music, everybody has a different style and song. Mm. I was like, but I hope they like the songs too. <laughs> 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 so, so I don't know. I, I mean, you know, if it's if people buy it and they want more of it and they let me know, I guess that's a success. Yeah. We want more of the things. Like, okay. Hey everyone, I'm Radio Matt from the Back Row Morning Show, and I've got your five random facts. Cruise ships have morgues that can store up to 10 bodies at once. The average amount of people that die on cruise ships per year is 200. Sorry, Mo. Small as they may be, ladybugs have a unique smell that humans are incredibly sensitive to. During World War II, a U.S. naval destroyer won a battle against a Japanese submarine by throwing potatoes at them. The Japanese thought they were grenades. A man with severe OCD and a phobia of germs attempted to commit suicide with a gun to his head. Instead of killing him, the bullet eliminated his mental illness without any other damage. And lastly, vanilla flavoring is sometimes made with the urine of beavers. For more facts and other hilarious nonsense, join me and Mo for the Back Row Morning Show at 7 a.m. and again at 9 a.m. Eastern every Monday through Thursday, right here on LTN Radio. As we kind of come to a close here, I think there's two things that we'd like to know. And the last one, obviously, is going to be all of the cool, either the cool places we can find you or things that you can tell us about. But mm -hmm. I, I think the one thing, given where our conversation has kind of ended up, that I'd be curious is, what advice do you have for those that are starting out? Because um, your journey, as we've talked over the last hour, and from again multi-talented of music to to writing to the artwork, and then creative influence and screen now um, with the overlapping of them, and so yeah, what what's your advice to those that are? are faced with that kind of conversation with mom and dad of, I, I think I have this artistic ability. Uh, one, you have to find your community mm. because your parents are going to want an easier time for you. And the path of the artist is not an easy one because you can go to school and you can right. learn how to draw. Uh, and there are a lot of different kinds of jobs in drawing. Learn what those are. Because uh, you can just say, oh, well, I want to do animation. Learn what those jobs are. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just drawing characters. It's drawing environments. You have to know what your craft is and you have to research it a great deal. Um, but you also need to push yourself because there are a lot of different artists out there. And if you're going to get a job, you're going to have to challenge yourself. There are going to be things that you draw well because you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't do something well. And yes, you're not the best. It's okay. You can be patient with yourself. Uh, it's not going to look exactly like someone who's been doing it for 20 years, obviously. Um, so don't, don't do that. Don't say like, oh, well, I'm nothing because I'm not this amazing person. That's kind of like saying like, okay, I'm going to start gymnastics today, but... I'm not like this Olympic champion. So like, get started. You're going to have to train and you're going to have to lean on the things that are not easy. So start drawing hands and feet already. It's okay. 
<laughs> and find teachers out there, like go online, get these tutorials, get started, draw the things that you like and the things that are not easy for you because you're not going to get any better at them until you get started. Carry a sketchbook around with you everywhere because drawing digitally and drawing traditionally are important. Drawing traditionally for those artists who are primarily digital, it, it helps you understand depth. You know, with a digital um, device, you can kind of get flattened out sometimes because you're you're not able to really turn something around in your mind. When you're drawing from life and from something that you can see, you're restoring your memory banks with how light interacts with the object. So study light, study dimension, and how to represent that in your work. Style. Everybody wants to figure out style <laughs> right away. It's kind of like uh, doing a guitar solo before you learn how to play the instruments. Your style will come because they're things that you will like and you will repeat. And that's going to be your style. It'll just it'll just develop through time, as especially if you observe other artists and say, okay, this is what I like about their work, and I want to incorporate incorporate that into mine. I just need to know how they do it. And what of it, not to draw exactly like them, but to say, what is it about their style? Can I define what it is? And once you start defining those things, you can start saying like, okay, well, I want this kind of line weight. I want these kinds of details. I want to be able to say like, okay, when I go to draw figures, they're dynamic. And what does that mean? And um also, you know, getting a job and getting seen, building a portfolio, those things are, are absolutely important because your online face of art is how people judge you. So how you present your art, it's kind of like any other business. You know, um, the body of work that you have uh, represents what it is that you can do. So figure out how long it takes for you to get to a finished project, you're a contractor. This is how long it takes to build this building. And you're probably not going to be able to charge the amount that you want at first, but that's okay. Your, your body of work will build over time and you'll be able to say, okay, my experience is now saying like, I know what I'm doing. And so I'm asking for this amount because of the time that I've put in previously and the time that I'll save you if you decide to, to work with me. But um, ask other people. Like I have a group on Facebook called Dr. Fu's Lab for beginning artists and uh, even existing professionals where they can just post and get used to posting their work and, and practicing and getting more things out, but also questions. And we have like group chats and things like that because knowing what to charge and knowing how to ask clients for those right questions that say, okay, this is, how do I know what to charge if I don't know what the job is and when you need it and, and so on. So getting people comfortable with being okay with charging for their artwork is something that uh, is very important because your internet and paper and the programs that you pay for every month, those things cost money. And uh, undercharging yourself means that you are essentially paying someone else for the pleasure of doing artwork. That's that's not going to work. <laughs> like it, it's that's okay. That's not how that's supposed to work. No, no. Like if if you go to a restaurant and you really enjoy the food, and this is the cost and this is the profit, it's okay to make a profit, not just <laughs> the bare minimum of what you need to get by. It's it's okay. So I, I like to help artists get past that hurdle because I've had other artists help me. I'm a completely self-taught artist and people like David Mack or Brian Stelfreeze and Neil mm -hmm. Adams, uh, they were very kind in helping me understand the business aspect of art. And so I like to pass those things on to other people because the more people can successfully make art, uh, the less heartache, the, the easier it is for people to express themselves. And um, uh, it, it, it makes me happy.
you know, people making what it is they want to make makes me happy. Then we can form Voltron and then save right. the universe. We're and- going to do it. Yeah. I, I will, I will share, <laughs> I will share the group's um, link in the show notes for folks, because I know <laughs> I've you. seen a lot of those conversations and I have zero artistic ability, but I'm there because I was like, I love you all. And I want to be supportive. And I'm like, good, yeah. good. And Crystal, there's so submit, many. Yeah. I'll submit so my stick jobs. figures later. It'll be good. There's so many jobs in art that are not just artists. You know, there are lawyers, there are editors, there are copy editors, there are writers, um, there are graphic designers. And it's not to say that that's not art, but that's a very different aspect of illustration. Those things are all needed. And um, lawyers, you know, these, these different aspects of creating work and creating independent properties, it's really important that people have support uh, outside of just being able to draw noses and heads from different angles. <laughs> so just before we go, what is the thing that you are most excited for next? Uh, besides the Book of Myrrh, obviously. Besides the Book you know. of Myrrh? Uh, <laughs> that you can legally talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Details. Speaking uh, of lawyers, uh, besides the Book of Murder, what am I excited about? That's that's even hard to think about. I've I'm so narrowly focused at the moment. Okay, maybe it should be fair to say that it is the Book of Murder. It is the Book of Murder. I am. Um, I'm just looking forward to the summer. Can I just have warm weather all yeah. the time, please? I'm looking forward to just going outside and seeing my friends. Yes. Conventions resuming, just outdoor people times. That is what I am looking forward to. I think Hector and I fully agree as this is literally like basically the overdue conversation that we needed to have on a con floor like at least six months ago. Um, Or like after a con. Right. (laughs) True. I'm looking forward to karaoke. Oh, (laughs) there's so many things. But Afua, we do we do love you dearly. Um, I, I think it probably has shown over the last hour for some of our our listeners, and we just want to thank you for coming and spending some time with us. You know, a brief moment to talk of all the cool things that you're doing before you and life experiences and everything. That that's kind of what we're about here is getting into the life of um, the creatives that we interact with and get to share the things that they're doing, also some of the stuff that makes them who they are and. So thank you for coming and spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. So I think that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 50 is now all wrapped up. It's in your ears, or at least hopefully it's in your ears. It's a podcast. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcast and fandom along with a lot of other amazing podcasts that are all part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. So be sure to visit lovethynerd.com for more info, previous episodes, and maybe find yourself a new show to add to your routine. Hector and I and Afua uh, today would love to just thank you all for choosing us and the Polis podcast as your comic book knowledge factory on a, well, near weekly basis. We try. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your podcasting app of choice. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. Ultimately, it's been a pleasure, Afua. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, kids, read more comments.